Well, I am rather busy. Now he's going to move like right along to McGregor. That's his whole life. You know. So if I owned a gun, I don't think I would name it like Jane did because well, I don't believe in anthropomorphizing deadly objects. Well, that's okay. I think you're not Jane, and I'm very glad you're not. Yeah, because he's a huge asshole. Oh. You said last week that Our Mrs. Reynolds was a good episode. Yeah. Was I wrong? No, I agree with you. Oh, good. I liked it. I think that the show is uh, coming around for me. He very Yeah, finding its voice. This is a – a lot of that has to do – of this has to do with – you know, this is the kind of episode that hinges on its guest star, and Christina Hendricks is really good as yes. this character. Um, and, and so that pulls it a long way. And the way that – what I really like about this episode is this is one that has the ensemble – I mean, like, Kaylee doesn't do anything in this episode, for example. Uh, Shepard Book and Jane don't really have huge parts in it, but – the way all of the characters are able to react in this in a way that uh, is very true to their characters and makes them, you know, it, it gives them a presence there, even though they're not directly involved in the plot. The fa- you know, yeah, which I like. I mean, I think that that you know, the problem I had with a, a couple episodes ago, I think it may have been Bushwhacked or it may have been the Train Shindig. Job. Shindig. Okay, sure, that one. Uh, all the episodes except for the last two that I've had a problem <laughs> with um, is that. It, it, it felt like they wanted to include all of the characters in a scene. I understand that impetus because it's early on in a new show's run and they don't want you to forget about these characters and you're trying to establish who they are and what their characterization is like. But it felt a little shoehorned in because they weren't actually reacting to what was going on in the plot. They were just sort of dropping in scenes of what they were doing yeah. that had nothing to do with what the actual plot of the episode was. And so it felt very disjointed. It felt very strange. And what I like about last week's episode and this one is that you're right. One of the, I mean, and one of the reasons, of course, is that most of the action of the episode takes place on Serenity. Yes. And so it's a very self-contained, it's a bottle episode in effect. And all of the characters are there because they all live on the ship. And they're able to comment on what's going on. They're able to drop in. Yeah. And they're also able to, I think, uh, uh, you know, with Book or with – I mean, the Doctor, I don't think, maybe had one line. And yeah. River didn't appear in this episode at all, which I found kind of weird. But they, they're they able to sort of, like, give their opinion about what's going on or, or sort of a course of action. And it, it, it makes their characterization uh, come across. Yeah. All, there's that one scene where they – when Mal first finds out, and of course Zoe invites the entire crew to see what's going on, and the way all the different—I mean, I remember, you know, Kaylee is of course delighted by you know this news. That's about all I remember her doing in the episode. But it, because well, she, she also with Wash, she fixed the ship. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah, that that's true. But you know, that's for the most part that that's her part in this episode. She doesn't really. She's not a major character, but she still is integrated in that. Her, you know, her two major bits are very directly tied into the plot. Yeah, which I think is fine. I mean, with with yeah, an ensemble, wash, well, with, with an ensemble that's this big, you don't need to include every character in a substantive subplot every episode. Well, what I think about is the bit in Shindig where you just see uh, Wash and Zoe after they've had sex and they're talking and. A fine scene about their characterization, but it didn't have anything to do with anything. Here, the Wash and Zoe scenes, they begin to talk about their own marriage, and they talk about Mal's and Saffron's quote-unquote marriage in a way which reflects their own. And so 
it, you know, they have th- their scenes are mostly characterization bits, but ways which are very st- more, much more strongly tied to the episode. Yeah, and so it's their way of, frankly, the this being this one random relationship kind of highlights the strength of their relationship in a way. Yeah, and you know, it's it's interesting because I, I don't necessarily have a problem with shows that have separate storylines going yes. on from episode to episode. I mean, but that's not what this show is. This is a vi- I mean, at least so far and and of course, you know, as we've mentioned before, uh and we talked about before, you know, Firefly was basically stillborn. It was canceled after 14 mm-hmm. episodes. So we would never really know what the show was going to look like in season 4 or season 5. But it seemed to it, it seems from these episodes at least that the show was going to be uh, more episodic. It was going to be more about its plot in each episode, and each episode was going to be self-contained, whereas there was going to be character stuff that carried over from episode yes. to episode. So, uh, you know, that's why those kind of scenes that feel very disjointed don't really work in this type of show, because it is a very plot-heavy show. It is the kind of show where if you're away from the main plot of the episode for too long, it feels like a weird tangent that's not going anywhere. Yes. Whereas, you know, in a show like, I mean, there's a lot of examples of shows that do this now. I mean, like, you know, Game of Thrones or or Treme, I think is probably a perfect example of a type of show that, that essentially has no plot. Um, and a lot of people found it extremely slow. I, I really like that show. But, you know, it's the characters don't really have a lot to do with each other. Some of them interact with each other, but they're all in their own different plots. But it works because yeah. that's the structure of the show. In a way, and, it's two or three small shows kind of combined into one on the same theme or whatever. Right, exactly. And so I think that's why I feel so, so much yes. better about the show in the last couple episodes. Yes. Because it's found a way to drop in character beats that are still related to the plot. Yeah, and and – it also gives them more leeway to – they do have a lot of leeway to this is a very Mal-heavy episode. You know, We're going to have another episode that's maybe a much more Kaylee-heavy episode or this is an episode about Jane, you know, for example. And I think – yeah, I think you're right. But at the same time, I mean – It is focusing mostly on Mal's adventures. It's focusing mostly on Mal and I think that that's a, a good thing for the show to do at this point. Yeah. I, I don't know that we – I don't know that we've had a – as much information about Malcolm as we've had about a lot of the other characters so far, if that makes sense. Yes. You know, we, we certainly he's been uh, in the show. He's the kind of the, I don't know, you could call him the protagonist if anybody is. He's largely, but, but he's largely the protagonist because he's the captain of the ship that we're dealing with. And that, yeah, that's my point is it's more his role that is the protagonist yeah. so far and not the actual person and i think this episode is the first time that we start to see glimpses of who that person is well this is the first time he actually talks about some of his background we uh yeah there's the one scene where he he says that he grew up on this planet called shadow with with his mother and they had a fair we which is a great name for a planet oh yeah we can you know we can intuit you know she said he said there's about 40 ranch hands so she was probably doing very fairly well for herself um he probably didn't grow up hardship, but at the same time, he was a farmer on yeah. a on a border world. He was one. We've seen plenty of border worlds at this point to know that okay, his mother was probably one of the more prosperous people in the town, but it was still a small town. It was still a small town. It was still not a great place yeah. to grow up, and it was probably kind of boring. Yeah, to he was on a border planet that didn't feel that the alliance was going to actually help them. There is an amount of self reliance. 
involved in that. Yeah, and I, you know, I don't know. I mean, you probably know better than me because you've seen the show more recently than me. I, I, I don't remember exactly how much we find out about the reasons for the war. No, and we don't really find out anything. Not really. Again, the implication is that there is this. We don't ever find out who started the alliance or anything like that. It's in a lot of ways, it's not that different from the Empire in Star Trek. It's it's just this in Star Wars. You mean. It's Star Wars. Yes, <laughs> it's very different. Um, we 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 don't find much about the history of it, but what's implied is that some people, and it's a, a group of centralized planets, they decide to form an alliance and a poli- and that kind well, of my, thing. My, my and the po- implication is that they wanted to th- this they are trying to claim all these planets and that there are planets who wish to remain independent. That's well, my, about as much as yeah. My my point was we could spin out a theory about yeah. they want to take taxes from them or something, but it doesn't really seem to matter that much, so I'm not even all, going to go down that road. Yeah, all that the show matters is that there is an alliance and that there are people who wish to not be in the alliance for whatever reasons and a war was started around that. Okay. Okay. With, now, and you can also you can take some civil war uh, kind of resonance from this. While it's not, well, in this case, it's not that the border planets were looking to uh, keep slaves. For example, it's not you know they wasn't as explicitly that as was in the American Civil War. But yeah, I think were, that would probably been not a great road for the show to go down. No, and frankly, the show goes out of its way to have. Although Malcolm, they do mention that there are slaves. There at one are point, there so. are slaves at one point, and it's very clear that Malcolm is against slavery. Just the way you know in the. Uh, episode where they're in the bar fight and he's talking to the slaver he steals his wallet like stuff like that um his reactions to what he's he's talks to saffron in this in this bit and she says oh are you gonna kill me you know and he's horrified by this when he's saying you know nobody owns you you know you have the right to obviously he's partially talking about the ideas that led him to join the brown coat so you know he does have a feeling of independence but that's probably why slavery is so abhorrent to him well, yeah, sure. I, I think that um, I want to talk about I want well, okay. So there's a couple things I want to talk about. I want to talk about saffron, and I also want to talk about Inara because yes. I think that this is kind of an Inara episode in a way as well. Yeah. Um, but saffron is a. I like this episode a lot. I like the character. I think that the episode it's in, Joss Whedon wrote this episode. Yes. I think he did a much better job with this than he did with the pilot, for example. I feel like you know his. His writing style is very particular. You either love it or you hate it. I tend to find that the vernacular of the world of Firefly, and I'm trying to say this diplomatically, (laughs) gets a little on my nerves more than I find it charming. Mm -hmm. But it didn't bother me that much in this episode, I think because whereas the plot of the pilot was perhaps not the most interesting. Yeah. And it was a little convoluted, and there were parts that that, that felt very sort of uh, 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 spun out or sort of stretched out, that this was a much stronger... Yes, tighter. Tight, yeah, tighter plot. And so I was, la- I was more forgiving of the dialogue because it felt like it was earned. Well, and I think about... For example, the scene between Saffron and Inara at the end when Saffron's trying to seduce her, that kind of a scene is the scene that Joss Whedon writes extremely well. Uh, very quick-paced dialogue, two characters lying to each other, knowing they're lying again a very... I like the way that 
and this is also an opportunity for both actresses to really oh yeah shine through I, again Christina Hendricks this is was kind of one of the first real things that anybody saw her and she's so you know she's frankly really young in this episode compared to you know we know her as Joan from Mad Men but um how subtly she plays it the I know the first time I watched this episode I was completely taken in even watching this episode now it's and what waiting for her to slip up and she never really does mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's that that's frankly amazing about it well and that's my one problem with the episode is that i don't know who she is and i'm no. assuming that she was going to come back at some point she uh, so we actually are going to see her again this season okay it's very clear that she is like uh like badger like niska going to be a character that would have re- reappeared my i frankly think it would not have been out of the realm of possibility for her to be a main cast member in season two or three. If Cause I, I, I like that concept and I, yeah. I mean, I like the concept of the character. I think that, you know, it, it's, it's really interesting to see the show, even at this early point, yeah. start to dirty the concepts that it's been creating already for mm-hmm. the, for example, like the, 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 you know, companion Academy. Yeah. And Inara says that, you know, there's that great line where she says, well, you, you shouldn't try and play a player. Yeah. You know, Inara picks up on the fact that, that Saffron is playing her very quickly. And in that scene where Saffron is trying yeah. to escape and then Inara is coming out of the shuttle, you know, it's all very convenient, but whatever. Um, and I think that that what I like about that is the implication that there are companions that go through the academy that then decide, yeah, they go rogue <laughs> essentially. And you know, we don't know a lot about what you know. It, it, well, here's the thing: it's a little like, unsatisfying because we don't exactly know what her mm, game is here. Yeah, it, it, what the the actual plot of the episode is a bit of an anticlimax. It turns out she's just kind of running a honeypot scheme to steal ships, Mm -hmm. and that seems a little beneath her. She kind of implies—she is too cool of a character for that to be what she's doing, in a way. Although I do think there is a degree to which the series is almost saying that if you want to live outside of the Alliance— and you're this kind of person who has these skills. I mean, she frankly, we will, we're going to see some alliance operatives. She would probably have made an excellent alliance operative if that were the way she was wired. Obviously, Saffron is not, and so she's living as outside the law as Mal and com- company are living. Except, and you know, I I I guess that 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 yeah. Saffron's backstory or background does make sense, and it does sort of fit in with. I guess one of the overarching themes of the show that I'm seeing so far, which is that everybody has a past. Yes. And, you know, where you are at this point is not necessarily where you were in the past and how people are viewing you at this particular moment may not be how people viewed you in the past. And it also may not be who you become in the future. Right. And so this is a show that I, I will say of everything, this is an optimistic show in that it does believe maybe that society is very difficult, but people can get better and people can still be moral. Because at the end of the day, this is a show that believes in doing the, that there is a right thing and that you should do the right thing. Yes, because I think, and I think that that's kind of the interesting part about it is that, and I think next week we'll, we'll kind of get yeah. some of Jane's backstory, if I'm yes. not mistaken. Um, it's called Janestown, so that's what I assumed. And I remembered that there was an episode where we find out about Yeah. Jane. But my, my point really is that, you know, all of the main cast members do have some sort of backstory or background that we don't really know that much about. I mean, of course, Book is kind of a mystery. Yeah. Um, Simon and River obviously have some sort of backstory. They're that we know probably a little bit the about. most uh, 
the, they're the ones I think at this point we know the most about just because we've seen some flashbacks and frankly Simon has not lied about who he is at all. Right. And River, although it's very ambiguous what exactly happened to her at the academy, um, we know that we we know the general outlines of what happened to her. But in a, in a sense, though, I think that that you know all of the characters on the show, even if we don't know that they have a different past, yeah. It's kind of it's kind of implied that they do. Oh yeah. And so far, like you know, we know that Malcolm and Zoe fought in a war. You know, we don't really know that much about Wash. We don't really know that much about um, Kaylee. Uh, uh, Kaylee or even Jane. But we kind of get the impression that because all the other characters have a very radically different past, that there's a mystery surrounding everyone on the show. And that's where I think Saffron really fits in as well. You know, I, it's interesting that there are there is an implicit division within the cast of. Like, when there's an action sequence, it's going to be Mal, it's going to be Zoe, it's going to be uh, Jane with the guns. Shepard Book might volunteer, but there is very much an understanding that, like, we're not going to put Kaylee in a position where she's going to mm-hmm. yeah. kill or be shot. Like, we're not going to put Wash in that position. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably not Simon, and River is going to be, we're going to hide her. Anara, stay in your shuttle. You know, those kind of things. There are people on the ship who are... It's partially because they don't have combat skills, true, uh, but at the same time, I don't know. There is almost a degree that, especially in the case of Kaylee, they don't want her to kill some, anyone because that's going to, in a way, corrupt her. Yeah. I, f- I think one of the interesting things of the show is that there are lines that all of these characters will not cross, even as much as they are willing to do illegal things, they are willing to kill people for what, for their goal, to further their goals. Everyone has a different line. But but we see the characters edging against that at a in a lot of ways. I mean, this was a very obvious example of the train job is kind of that they have an opportunity for massive gain, but stealing medicine from people who need it is a line that cannot be crossed, and it doesn't matter what the costs are to preserve that line. Yeah, well, I mean, like to use D and D terminology, I mean, this is basically a ship full of chaotic good characters. Yeah, you know, these are people that that don't necessarily subscribe to to what society or or civilization tells them is the yeah. moral right thing to do, but they do have an internal code that they follow. Well, they're chaotic good characters who've been told for a long time that they're chaotic neutral. Sure. Okay. Because uh, I, I, I think there is a very real degree to which these characters all have internalized certain negatives about their image. I mean, there is Inara gets very upset when Mal calls her a whore, for example, because it it is her being judged by an image. Uh, Wash gets not taken seriously. Kaylee, everyone thinks is you know, Kaylee can be seen as somebody who is. I, Obviously, I'm treating the less controversial characters. Let's go with Mal, um, mm-hmm. who is somebody who is viewed as, well, he's a rebel. He was a soldier on the losing side. He's a loser. He is a criminal. And yet he is still a person trying to do the right thing. Yeah, and I think you see that in this episode. You yeah. Know, because, you know, th- there would be very easy for, I mean, you know, Saffron is sort of spinning this whole lie about how she was yeah. in a maiden house. And this is one of this. I guess the implication is that this planet that they were on, and, and by the way, I love the opening of this episode. I love sort of the jump cuts that they do yeah. that kind of throw you off kilter a little bit, um, especially the the way that the the um, party is shot just by firelight. And oh, yeah. You kind of get those scenes of Malcolm looking kind of like drunk <laughs> out of it. it um, with this rain stick and Jay Cry. Uh, no, yeah. And, and, and that really you, nice scene of Book just like doing the funeral yeah yeah and then you get that jump cut to the morning and they're all kind of <laughs> leaving and it's very well done it kind of disorients you and makes you feel like you were at the party in a way um 
And what I what I think is is kind of interesting is so you get this kind of uh, you know Saffron is on the ship and nobody really realized it, and then she kind of spins out this story about there's a maiden house on this planet, yeah, and it's some sort of religious uh, you know community, and so they. They don't have anything to trade. They don't have any goods. They don't have any resources. And so, what they trade essentially is their is their women. And you know, Saffron spins a story out about how when she's trying to to get Malcolm to to kiss her so that she can go off yeah. and, and and steal the ship and send it into that net, is that the story is that you know they're they're marrying off these people to these horrible guys that are just sort of like using them for sex yeah. and they're gross and disgusting. And Malcolm is so nice and he's so attractive. You know. Yeah, you can see her changing her tactics as things go through. Exactly. Exactly. She knows most of the people she meets. She's going to show up, say, "I'm your wife," and she looks like Christina Hendricks, and that's all she needs to do. And I this think- one now, you know that she, you know that she feels appealing to his no- vanity doesn't really work. She ultimately appeals to his nobility. And yeah, and you know what's really what I find really interesting about that too is that I think that she likes the fact that he is a little bit noble and playing a little bit hard to get yeah because i think that she i get the impression and this is not anything that's written in the episode maybe it's just the performance by by christina hendrix but i think that she's kind of enjoying having to work for it a little yeah. more. yeah and there is a degree to which she believes that i almost feel like because where the episode ends where it's making it clear like you know look you're alone at the end she's not exactly com- best comrades with those two guys that she's doing the scam with well they're dead yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and, and i doubt she really mourned them frankly right um they're they're she didn't have she didn't go and eat with them at the end of the day like the crew of the serenity does there is and there is a sense of tragedy almost because frankly and this is why i say i think that eventually she would have been on the crew because Someone on with Saffron's, you know, talents would be a very great asset to the crew. Um, and I think that... Well, let me it, ask you a question, though. Do you think that there's room on the Serenity for two companions? I think that would make very, very interesting. Uh, if you want to ratchet up drama, it would be, especially given that Anara and Mal is a thing. I also, you know, and I again, I, I, I don't know what the, the show was going yes. for. But I... I sort of question or look skeptically at making Saffron a main cast member only because it 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 may imply to some degree that one of the only ways for women to gain yes. respect and power in this in this world is through their sexual wiles and and this well that, you know i, I don't it's I mean, kind you know, of Kaylee's there and Rivers there it depends of course, on but, how it's done because I think it would be. Because if you do create a world in which women are able, only able, in which sexual wiles are the easiest way for a woman to gain power in this society, well, what does that mean? Obviously, Inara and Saffron are not just meek and submissive little people who are. True. They have very strong opinions on that. And frankly, when we talk, let's talk about Saffron. You know, is she use it? Is she oppressed or is she wielding that oppression as a weapon in a way? Yeah, I, think, I, I don't know. I think that I, again, we've only and we only see her in this one, and which is why again we'll see her. We'll see her in another episode. She would have recurred. We will see her. We could. There is a lot of room for her to change and us to actually learn and for her to become a different person. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, I think that is that is a very fair theme in order to because. If you look at the real lives of women throughout history, you can see many women who were 
who dealt with their oppression in ways. How do you wield power in a way that doesn't? I, I can see a show being interesting on that theme. Yeah, and I think that the one thing you can say about all Joss Whedon created shows is that they are uh, uh, they do feature strong women. That I mean, that They're, was one of the it, main it, themes of Buffy. Somebody who is. You know, she is chosen as the slayer. What does that mean? She is expected to live under certain rules, and she and it's very clear that she becomes the most successful slayer in in history because of her willingness to break those rules mm-hmm. or creatively mm-hmm. reinterpret them. And that that is definitely a way that we could see the Saffron character going. Yeah, and I also think it's important to to remember that that Joss Whedon shows are are also famous for you know having characters become very different people yes. than where they started. And frankly, he's also fairly comfortable with killing off characters in very tragic ways, as we said. Anara, as it turns out from you know stuff released after the series was done, Anara was dying of some kind of disease, and that's why she's on the ship. So they Although I do think that's that, that reputation for Joss Whedon is a little overblown, but that's something Of course, but at the same later. time, they could have... She, it is possible Anara would not have made it through season three, for example. Yeah, no, absolutely. And yeah, that gives us the opportunity again. I can I can see this crew shifting throughout the course of the series. Yeah, as their story sort of ends, yeah. or, or or as the show kind of becomes yeah, done yeah, with yeah. them to some degree. I think yeah, you're right. Or mm-hmm. or even the I think you know the death of a character kind of driving another character forward yes. in, in, in a different direction. Exactly. That, that could be it as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. Well, I, I like this episode a lot. I think that, that um, you know, uh, we'll see where I, I'm curious to see what Jane's backstory is in the next episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's good. Yeah. All right. Well, if you have any thoughts on the episode that we just talked about, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at tuninginshow.com. Please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash trekaboutshow if you would like to uh, provide us with a little bit of monetary support for our podcasting endeavors. If you're enjoying what we're doing, we would appreciate it. Uh, you can find us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Tuning In Show. And as always, please leave us a positive iTunes review. Or if you are enjoying the podcast, it is the best way for new people to find the show. Next week, we're going to continue our journey through Firefly by talking about the episode Janestown. Which, which is a fan favorite. Oh. <laughs> I'm a lot less excited about it now. Mac, why do you...